This is Pastor Andrea Ellis, and I just want to personally welcome you to the Destiny Faith Church podcast. I'm so happy you're with us today. I trust the word of God will inspire you. So please open your heart and enjoy the word. Blowing out someone else's candle will not make yours shine brighter. Blowing out someone else's candle will not make yours shine brighter. The other day I was looking on Facebook and there was such a pretty little girl. She had on a beautiful little, like a little Cinderella dress, a little yellow dress. And she was in the supermarket with her little yellow dress on and it had a little hoop under it. She had her little tap shoes on, her little white purse. Her hair was up on a ball and her a bun on, on the top of her head. She had a little headdress on. And I mean, she was just dancing and prancing around the supermarket and she would stop and she would spin around. And when I saw it, I thought, oh my gosh, she's such a beautiful little girl. And I stopped right then and there and begin to pray for that little girl right then and there. Because when you have so much shine in you like that and so much confidence and she felt so good about herself, the enemy always has a way of sending someone else around to snuff out your candle, to snuff out your shine. So I plead the blood over that young lady now in the name of Jesus Christ. And likewise, I plead the blood over you in Jesus' name. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the official birthday of the church. Pentecost Sunday is the seventh Sunday after Resurrection Sunday. And this commemorates the day that the Holy Spirit descended. The Holy Spirit descended. In our churches, we often talk about God the Father. We often talk about Jesus the Son. But we don't spend as much time speaking about the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, number one, he comes in quick and he comes in. He comes in to illuminate you, to lead and to guide you into all truth. Am I making myself clear right here? It took the person of the Holy Spirit to change inferior thought patterns in my life. It took the person of the Holy Spirit to change inferior thought patterns in my own life. Here's my story. I grew up a child evangelist. I grew up a child evangelist. I would go to the bus stop, and the kids would see me, see me come, and they'd go, oh, my God, here comes that church girl. Here comes the church girl. Every day I'm trying to get somebody born again because I could not bear to think about them going to hell. I couldn't bear to think about them not knowing the joy that I knew with having the Lord as my Savior. So even though I was a very shy and very timid young lady, the one thing that I did have boldness concerning was concerning my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I had such low self-esteem and such low inferior thought patterns that I always walked around with a, a, a hump in my back, looking down to the ground. I could barely talk to people in their faces. I just felt small. I felt small, but the only thing that caused me to um, feel like myself is when I saw myself in the word of faith getting other people saved. It reminded me of this, this little girl because I remember once upon a time I had been just like that little girl 
when my mom would take me to downtown, how many remember SS Kresge's downtown Detroit, she would take me and we would go, I would come home with a pocket full of money because everywhere I go, I was speaking to everybody, I was saying hi to everybody and people were just giving me, I was a money magnet back then, <laughs> glory to God in the highest. But over the course of time, something happens, the enemy begins to try to attack children at that impressionable age, that age where they're beginning to learn who they are and what they really believe in and begins to infiltrate their thoughts and their minds with feelings of inferiority. It's a part of fear. It's an attribute or, an a, uh, or a characteristic of fear. Excuse me today, I'm going to have to have my glasses on today in the name of the Lord. Um, when inferiority is deposited, it's deposited as a seed. It's deposited as a seed. And the enemy is patient enough to keep depositing seeds because he knows in your future life you'll have a harvest on those inferior thought patterns. Am I making faith to anybody? So inferiority often comes when you begin to compare. You compare. You compare. Did you know comparison breeds discontentment? When my children, Gabe and Gabby, were going to school, I remember when the the teacher asked, she says, oh, do you want them to be in the same classroom? I was like, absolutely not. No way, no how, because I had one that was a social butterfly and one that was very shy. So I needed both of them to be in their own environment so they can thrive the way they individually thrive. Yes, they're twins, but yes, they're still indiv individuals. Am I making faith to anybody? So oftentimes, um, inferiority comes when you're being compared to others or when you're being criticized. When you're being criticized, maybe you're criticized on um, characteristics, body characteristics that you have no control over. Maybe you, you're told over and over, you have a boxing glove nose. You begin to have an inferiority complex about your nose, which is something that you can't control at all. Am I making faith to anybody? So when you begin to say those little things, or maybe you're upset with the child's mother, or you are upset with the child's father, and you begin to say things into the child that you shouldn't have said because you're angry with someone else. Am I making faith to anybody? The spirit of fear, which is an offshoot of inferiority, comes in at those formative ages to cause you to feel small, to cause you to feel unloved, and to cause you to feel devalued. Am I making faith to anybody? Let's look at a Bible example I have here in the Word of God. This Bible example comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. This is the story about Jabez. Jabez. In this passage of scripture, you'll see that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He was more honorable than his brothers, but because his mother experienced pain in childbirth, she called him pain. She called him sorrow. Can you imagine walking around in life and everyone that you meet, they call you pain? They call you sorrow? Oh my gosh. It had nothing to do with Jabez, but everything to do with his mom. She began to 
put off onto him the feelings that she had within herself. It's like, it's like, have you ever seen a parent, they tell their kid, would you stop acting stupid? If you ever tell a child, stop acting stupid, I 100% guarantee you that they will hear you're stupid. 100% of the time, they will hear you're stupid. So we cannot take our frustration out on our children, on our spouses, or other people. That's when we bring our frustrations and we put them on the altar before the Lord. Inferiority often comes by being belittled, constantly criticized, constantly rejected, or compared to other people. I know maybe you like me, you have that person, that one person in your life, whatever you put on, you wearing that, you wearing your hair like that, you doing, well, yes, I was until you made me feel small about myself. Come on. That is a seed of inferiority. Inferiority, inferiority can be intensified by failure, abuse, and confusion. Inferiority tries to overwhelm you and cause you to be discouraged, disappointed, and discontented. The enemy of fear imposes hopelessness, making it seem like your goal is too lofty, too lofty, your desires are unattainable, and he begins to try to penetrate your thinking with thoughts of insecurity, insufficiency, inability, and incompetency. Are you listening to me? Inferiority is a fearful mindset that when it plagues you, it makes you think that you're not enough, and its root is comparison. I go back to that little girl in the supermarket dancing around, and oh, what great self-esteem that she had. But here comes a joy thief, and what a joy thief will do what a destiny thief will do is like, you happy? Look at you. You got your little dress on. You're happy. You got your little crown on your head. You got your little headpiece on. You're happy. As if being happy is wrong. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to walk around smiling. You're supposed to feel good about yourself when you see yourself in the mirror of the word of God. Am I making faith to anybody? Let's go to a next, another example. Another example is in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, when Moses sent out 12 spies to spy the land that God was giving it to them. They didn't have to work for it. The Bible said God was giving it to them. And they all went and they saw all the plushness of the land that flowed with milk and honey. And the grapes were so large that two men had to carry them on a pole between the two of them. But when they went back to take the report, they talked about how wonderful the land was. But there were giants in the land, and we looked like grasshoppers, both to ourselves and to them. But what I love about Caleb, Caleb spoke up. He was like, no, we could take them. Let's go. We could take. Let's go and possess the land. It was so funny to me because there were ten that had a negative report, and only two that had a positive report. And those two, despite the other ten, still said, we can take them. We can take them. The long of the short of the story is that the ten 
perished in the plague while Joshua and Caleb prevailed. Are you listening to me? Oftentimes, it's not how other people see us, it's how we see ourselves. In the social media age, people spend so much time trying to impress other people, they're not present in their, their moment. They're not present in that moment. A couple of weeks ago on Mother's Day, all of the children and grandchildren did a drive-by to my house, and they came, and when I came outside, they had balloons and flowers and presents, and they were, and I was just jumping up and down, and I was so happy to see them all, and it was such a blessing. We tried to stay as best as we could, six feet apart, so forth and so on. It was such an amazing time. I was jumping up and down. My neighbors were, we were waving up. It was just so much fun. So at the end of the day, I was like, who who took some pictures? Where are the pictures? None of us took pictures. Why? Because we were in the present moment. Some people can't enjoy their life. They can't enjoy their meal without having to take a picture and then show it on Facebook. They can't go to a hotel without taking a whole picture of the hotel. They can't go on. They, they can't do anything because they have these inferior feelings that if you don't think it's wonderful, I can't have any enjoyment of it myself. Are you listening to me? The side effect when you have that kind of self-esteem or low self-esteem or inferiority is that you begin to judge other people. You begin to downplay other people. You begin to think uh, other people are bougie. You begin to finger point. You begin to name call because you see yourself small. It's offensive when you think that someone else sees themselves big. Last, last example on this inferior, and then we'll move on. This example is found in John chapter 12. Let me read it. And this one is so good. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And I'll begin reading at verse 1. John chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom was raised from the dead, was there. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. Verse 3, then Mary, this is the other Mary, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, appoint, uh, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with fragrant oil. But one of the disciples Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, which is a year's wage, and given to the poor? Verse 6 says, This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was in it. So when Jesus corrected Lazarus, corrected Judas for talking about what the lady had did to him. Have you ever noticed that other people count your money? Why was he counting Jesus's money anyway? This is a gift that the lady had poured out on Jesus, and he was so worried about it. Why didn't we just, we could have sold that and given it to the poor, but according to the word of God and according to Ju Jesus, Judas, you're not concerned about the poor. You're concerned about that money because you want to take part of it. When you get into comparison, you feel like you're supposed to have everything that the next person has. So 
Judas wanted the oil sold so that he could get his cut out of it. I my kids told, a told me a story about Kevin Hart, a, a documentary about Kevin Hart. I didn't see it myself, but maybe I'll watch it. But in the documentary, one of the people that was on his payroll, he was paying him, somebody he had grew up with, somebody from back in the day, he was giving him a good salary, and then this person began to extort him. The very person that he had sent a handout to, the one that he helped up began to extort him. What was the problem? He had an inferiority complex, and the inferiority complex says, when you get something, I need to get just what you get. The same thing happened right here with Judas. Competing and comparing, infuriated and inferiority, stealing and stingy, all at the same time time. People, have you ever known people that try to identify with somebody that they think is important? They try to identify with that person because they think if I can identify with this person, my sense of importance will be magnified. This is the deal. Inferiority will cause you to feel like a grasshopper because you're looking at a distorted image in the mirror. Here are some symptoms of inferiority according to the Depression Alliance. Repetitively focusing your thoughts on things that are upsetting, shutting down out of shame, guilt, and embarrassment, withdrawing from coworkers, colleagues, and family members. Listen to this one. Demeaning others as a way to transfer your feelings of isolation and failure on to them. Are you listening to me? Psychology today notes that an inferior person may seek attention and validation by pretending to be sick, pretending to be depressed. I, I'm thinking about hurting myself, and you know you're not thinking about hurting yourself at all. You're using the tactics of the enemy for control, manipulation, and intimidation. These people, they avoid public competition. They won't compete with you publicly be, just in case they lose, but they compete with you privately. These people are, are extremely sensitive to both compliments and criticism. And here are some of the responses from people suffering from inferiority. Anger, rage, resentment, insecurity, mistrust, you quit when things get difficult. You don't try because you think you can't do it. You overcompensate by acting superior or supercilious. You feel not good enough. You feel worthless, insecure. You feel low self-esteem. You feel abandoned, and you feel compared. The root of this is being accused, being demeaned, strong-armed, manipulated, intimidated, and here's the kicker, hurt memories of abuse, misuse, and violation. Here's my thrust. Don't let your past pull you. Let your past push you. Don't let your past pull you back. Let your past push you forward. A few months ago, we had um, tea day, me and two of my daughters, Gabby and Essence, we had tea day. So 
I took out all my loose tea and all my pretty little cups and things like that, and I fixed them both my signature peach lemon tea, my peach lemon tea. I gave Gabby hers, and she was drinking her tea, and when I gave Essence hers, I noticed that it was um, some tea on the counter, so I just took a towel, and I wiped the tea up, and I went and I took the tea to Essence in the family room, and as we were sitting there, there was tea on the table. So the first thing I did is I looked under the cup to see where was this coming from. I couldn't see anything underneath the cup, so I looked in the cup, and there was a crack in her cup. There was a crack in her cup. She didn't put the crack there, but there was a crack in her cup nonetheless. So I gave Gabby the same tea that I gave to Essence, so the same goodness that Gabby was experiencing was the same goodness that Essence was experiencing, except some of hers was oozing out because there was a crack in her cup. The enemy wants to crack your cup early on so that you're not able to maintain and sustain all of the goodness that God has shown you of himself when you look into the mirror of the word of God. But the enemy wants to crack in your cup to allow that goodness to ooze out. If it starts pouring out, you're going to try to fix it too quick. But if it just seeps out little by little, maybe you really won't understand. Come on, many of us, we have a crack in our cup, a crack in our soul. The, the enemy damaged us in our mind, will, emotion, imagination, and intellect. So it's not that we damaged ourselves. Somebody violated us and somebody cracked our cup. So all of the goodness that was in there just began to ooze out. But this is where you go back to your mirror image in the word of God and you realize he restores my soul. God restores my soul. No matter what anybody tried to do or how people tried to hurt or harm you, the Lord restores your soul. Am I making faith to anybody? My last story for today. I want to talk about the prodigal son, the prodigal son. We remember this story. He had T taking all of his inheritance. He wanted his inheritance early. He was bold enough to walk up to his daddy and say, give me mine. No, I'm not trying to wait till you're dead. And in that culture, that was such an insult. It was almost like saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. So the father gave him his inheritance, and he went and he squandered all of his inheritance away. And now he was out there in a far land, in a foreign land, no family, no work, no nothing. And the Bible says that even the 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 residue from the pig's eating trough began to look good to him. Then he came to himself. Anytime that you're eating like a pig in a pig's trough, you're looking at a distorted image of who you really are. But the scripture says, then he came to himself. He said, I can go back to my father's house. He said, the slaves have a better life than the life that I have. He said, I messed up. Daddy didn't do this to me. I did this to myself, but I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to go back, and I'll ask him to hire me, and I'll work as a slave. Working as a slave will be better than this life that I have out here in these streets. So when the father saw him coming afar off, the Bible says that the father took off running. In that culture, you didn't see men run. You didn't see uh, men of, distin of distinction run like that. He didn't care. He took off running because his son was coming back home. 
the son was coming home to be a slave, hire me as a slave. He says, there's no way in the world. Go, get, go kill the fatted lamb, give him the best robe, let's put some rings on his finger. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you've done. You are still my son. His past did not stop him from being <clears throat> a son. His past tried to pull him and make him think that he was a slave. When he was not a slave, he was a son. Are you listening to me? Child of God, I need you to know that there's absolutely nothing that you could ever do to stop God from loving you. I know you may have gone too far because sin has that tricky way of taking you further than you really wanted to go keeping you longer than you really wanted to stay and costing you more than you really wanted to pay. But this is what I love about God. There's nothing you can do to stop him from loving you. Once a son, always a son. And daddy is waiting for you to come on back home. I need you to know that God never backs down from what he says about you. I don't care what people have called you, the names that they've called you, how people have violated you, used, abused you, or whatever the case may be. God never backs down from what he said about you, and his word never backs down either. But you do have a part to play. I understand, because I don't play the lottery, but I understand that if you play the lottery, they give you a ticket. You pay them the money, they give you the ticket. And when your ticket wins, they don't come tracking you down. They don't come looking for you. You've got to preserve the ticket, and you've got to turn the ticket in. We have the winning ticket. We forgot to look at the winning ticket. We forgot to look at all the benefits that come with the winning ticket, and then we feel mad, sad, and disgusted when we feel like we don't have no winnings. But you've got the golden ticket in your hand, the golden ticket to the word of God. Come on, you've got to make up in your mind, do I want to impress people or do I want to make an impact? Satan comes with accusations and lies and deceptions, and he slings them against your mind over and over and over to get you outside of your character, to do things uncommon to try to get people to like you. Persecution is only, is only powerful to the degree that you need somebody else's acceptance. I'm telling you, I was a person. I was always concerned about what people thought about me. I was concerned about whether people liked me. I was concerned I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable around me. But God had to have an appointment with me. He had to have a divine intervention with me. I can't control how people think about me, but I can control how I think about myself. Are you getting a revelation today? Today I hope you've got a revelation that Blowing out someone else's candle just won't make your candle shine any brighter. I trust that word blessed your life. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And I want you to know that at Destiny Faith Church, we're more than a church. We're a family.